is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 40 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. You know, I love doing this show with you every week because we talk about the mental side of sports, about mindsets, attitudes, focus, psychology, sportsmanship, winning and losing, success and failure, building confidence, destroying confidence. You know, I, I love doing this show. I've been on the air for 30 years here in Kansas City. Our shows are podcasted around the country, or actually around the world. They're rebroadcast in a number of cities the following week. And what I like doing this show mostly about is talking with people about their perspectives. And the interesting thing is, over the years, I've had so many different people as guests on this show. We're going to have a very interesting young lady on here in a little bit who's going to talk with us for the rest of the hour. She is a certified professional coach, ex, actually, football, professional football player and a collegiate gymnast. So we're going to have her on. Her name is Amanda Clements. She's going to join us in a few moments from the East Coast where she lives. And we're going to talk about her perspective about the mindset in sports, but also about women in sports. You know, women are athletes and they're pretty darn good athletes. And many times they're much better conditioned mentally as well as physically than men. So we're going to talk with her about that as a former gymnast and professional football player, her perspective. She works with athletes in the, in the same profession as I. But, you know, here's the deal. I've said it forever. You can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with a stronger mind will come out on top. What does it take to have a stronger mind? Throughout my career, I've worked with so many young people. I work with young athletes, high school athletes, even younger and there's one common denominator that I keep finding, and I'm going to ask Amanda her opinion on this in a few months when we have her on. It is the way you're coached and what coaches say to you, what you hear, how you hear it, how you interpret it, and that affects confidence. A few weeks ago, we did a show on self-confidence, and I talked in the show that really learning how to fail, learning how to screw up, builds your self-confidence. And I think it makes a huge difference when you learn how to deal with negativity. Now, how you coach negativity, how you coach failure is so important. I had a couple new clients in this week. One is a gymnast, one is a football player. Both of them have issues with their confidence because they've had coaches who've degraded them and insulted them when they've screwed up. And it's stuck with them. So this is something I think is a big problem, and especially in young ladies who are learning how to compete in a lot of sports. It happens to them a lot and it affects their confidence and it affects then how they succeed or fail. So with that, I'd like to introduce our guest. Her name is Amanda Clemens. She's a certified professional coach, ex-collegiate gymnast. She also played professional football for Washington, D.C. semi-pro football team. Amanda, thanks for joining us this morning. 
Hey, thanks so much for having me. Listen, I, I'm intrigued. So you played professional football. I, I mentioned to you when we spoke uh, preparing for the show, uh, Danny Welniak, who's the sports director at KCTV5 here in Kansas City, was on my show last summer, and she's a former professional football player as well. What was that like as a woman to play professional football? Oh, my gosh. I loved it so much. Um, and for me, just from a personal perspective, prior to that, I was a gymnast for 17 years, which is a highly individualized sport. Um, and after college, after I'd graduated and gymnastics was over, um, I found myself, like many athletes, having a very hard time kind of identity-wise and realizing I'm not a gymnast anymore. Um, and I had heard about this local football team. I had always wanted to play football, so I went to tryouts, and the premise was kind of if you work hard, if you're in shape, if you're willing to learn, we'll teach you everything about the game. Um, and so I played for three years, and I'm not kidding. I loved every second of it. I love the team dynamic, the speed. I love the intensity of it. it. It really was a highlight for me. How long did you play? It was three seasons, and I would have played longer, but after 20 years at that point, a very intense sport, my body was kind of feeling it. I was having some neck issues, so unfortunately had to step away. You know, gymnastics, and I've worked with gymnasts since grad school. I was uh, at San Diego State during my internship in sports psychology with the men's tennis team and women's gymnastics team when I started with gymnasts. And gymnasts put their bodies in positions they're not supposed to be in, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's something you don't realize until you become a non-gymnast later in life and you look back and realize what you were doing on a daily basis. But, I mean, it was just crashing and falling and really big, like, tumbles to the ground are part of practice. And, um, and you don't know anything different and the bending and the stretching and the twisting you don't know anything different until for me anyway you know most gymnasts aren't, aren't really able to do other sports if they're competitive in gymnastics and so later in life trying other sports doing other sports seeing other sports I kind of look at gymnastics and was like wow that was a lot to put myself through and I'm not shocked that I'm a little bit achy now I was just going to ask you how, how can can I know it's not polite to ask a woman her age but, but <laughs> I don't think you're that. How old are you? I am 35. Okay. Well, you're still very young. I'm 66, so I'm almost twice your age here. So, <laughs> you're, you know, it, it, it does take a toll on you. And I work with, mm -hmm. like I said, a, a number. I work with a number of gymnasts right now. And it is an extreme, you know, people don't get it. It is a very, very physical sport. But it's also a very psychological sport, too, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, you know, I know you are talking a little bit earlier about confidence and fears and things like that. And it really... You know, with gymnastics, it does not take long to really start developing those fears and those worries. You know, one, when you first start out, you know, like most sports as a kid, it's like fun and you're flipping and tumbling and you don't really care about execution and doing well. It's just the experience of it. Um, but once you step into that, you know, competitive world and you literally, your score changes if you fall, your score changes if you bend the leg, you're... Um, you could get massively hurt if there's one if you're off by an inch, and as you start having those experiences, you start developing those fears. Absolutely. So when it comes to fear, okay, as a professional coach, you work with with athletes. With I'm sure you you work with some young young ladies as well. Who are are you working with any gymnasts at all? Um, yes, 
it's not typically gymnasts start coming to me every year around June. Um, that's the time where they just finished the competitive season and, and they're usually moving up to the next level and ramping up for new skills and things like that. Um, so at the moment, no gymnasts, but I usually get a wave in right before summer. Right, right. Yeah, the season usually ends April, May, and then it starts over mm-hmm. again. And then the, the, competi- yep. the, comp- the training starts. Most people don't know the training really goes on, and then around December is when the meets start up again. Isn't that right? Usually that's exactly, what, that's what yeah. it does around here. I don't know if that's back on the East Coast as well. But, yeah, the, the, the mental, the psychological demands for girls, let, let's talk about that since, since obviously you're a woman. And and a competitive athlete in the past how how did you handle failure as as an athlete because it is something that that i talk about all the time on this show in fact we had a caller a few weeks ago called up and said i was teaching people how to be wimps that wasn't the word he used mm-hmm. when we talk about failure but i mean you fell off the balance beam you you, you didn't stick your fly away you probably screwed a vault up at some point how did you learn to deal with failure Oh, great question. Um, I will say I definitely struggled with it, and I think I really started to learn how to deal with it in college. Um, And for me personally, and I see this with a lot of athletes, I'm sure you do as well, um, as I was growing up, I was very, I did very well in school. Straight A's was just kind of 99% of the time I was getting straight A's, and I, I worked hard, but didn't have to work too, too hard to get it, and then in gymnastics, I advanced really quickly as soon as I started. I think my second day of recreational gymnastics, I was pulled out and asked to join the team. And it just all advanced very quickly. Um, and for myself and for a lot of other athletes like that, when you experience high levels of success in school and quick success in sports and things like that, you really develop this fear of you know, there's this mindset of I need to be the best, and if I'm not the best, then that's bad. I want to, We're going to go to. Our, we're going to go to our first break here, Amanda. But okay. I want to come back. We're going to continue this conversation and get into really how you cope with that and, and how you work with athletes to deal with that because that's a key part of this. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest today is Amanda Clement. She's a certified professional coach, former professional athlete, and collegiate athlete. We're talking about the mental side of sports. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio.
Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio. 810 WHB in Kansas City. My guest today is Amanda Clements. She's a certified professional coach, former professional football player and collegiate gymnast. And we're talking today about her perspective, about sports, about success and failure. And so before we went to the break, Amanda, we were talking about fear and expectations as, as, as an athlete. What, how do you coach people, work with people, counsel people on dealing with expectations? Because I find that's one of the biggest problems so many people have the expectations they feel other people have on them to perform. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and in working with clients like that, I think I really hone in on 
what they believe or what they feel they've been taught the purpose of sports are um, and redefining what they want the purpose to be. You know, I think we teach athletes that the purpose is to win um, everything. And then anytime you don't win, that equals bad. And so it's redefining what's important, which is, in my opinion anyway, um, you know, the hard work, the doing whatever it takes, the getting over fears, the learning how to deal with failures, learning communication and emotional intelligence, all those things. That doesn't mean winning, chasing winning isn't fun and like the exciting part of sports, um, but it isn't necessarily the one thing that gives you value as an athlete or a person. And see what you just, so, excuse hmm? me, what, what, what you just hit on there, teaching kids how to, how to win. See, see, that's where I think we have in our society with kids the problem with sports. I think we mm-hmm. should be teaching kids how to have fun, learn the experience, enjoy what you're doing. The, the book that I co-author with Kansas City Royals Hall of Famer Jeff Montgomery and Olympic uh, swim coach Hall of Fame swim coach Pete Malone is called Just Let Him Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes to Use Sports. And we don't think, we've talked about it in the book, we don't think winning should matter until you're 13, 14 years of age. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just, <laughs> now, that, now that I'm very removed from sports, I personally just don't think winning matters in general. Um, I think it's everything up to the winning. The winning is fun, and I'm, I'm not saying don't chase it and don't go after it and don't get excited about it, um, but ultimately it just doesn't matter, in my opinion. Um, it's really the process, the experience, the learning about yourself, the communication. And, um, I just, yeah, even putting an age on it, I don't, I don't, for me, for me, I'm not saying anyone else is wrong for thinking differently, um, but I've, at this point, the hundreds of athletes I've worked with and talked to and coaches, I've asked them all, you know, raise your hand if you've ever been in the zone and just had an incredible performance that really sticks with you. Everyone raises their hand. And I say, you know, what were you feeling at that moment or during that game or during that competition? And nobody has told me they felt angry. Nobody has told me they felt stressed. Nobody has told me they were just focused on winning. I've never once heard that. I've heard... I felt calm. I felt present. I was just having fun. Um, all of those things. And then when I go watch them at practice, the coach is saying, get angry, get mad. You've got to get mad. I'm like, this is, you know, we're seeing two different things here. We're seeing one message and one experience that, and that aren't lining up. And, and, and I agree 100% with you. And that's where I think from a coaching perspective, I feel like we're go- we, we started at the wrong, wrong way at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It should be about having fun, learning skills, learning fundamentals, enjoying the experience. I know most people will tell you when, they, you know, when they've quit playing sports and they go back to their, their experience playing sports as a youngster or a teenager, most of them are going to remember a great, great performance they had. They may not remember as much that they come in first place. They may remember more that they had fun doing it. Do you agree with that? Yeah, a million percent. I... You know, I talk to college athletes all the time, and there's this common thread of, you know, they usually find me, of course, because they're going through fears or anxieties and things like that. And all the time I hear, when I was a kid, when I just started, I I was so good, and it was just so fun at that time. And it's not fun anymore. Okay, let me let me stop you right there. Where does the where, where where does fun go away? It goes away with experience. So like what I was saying earlier with gymnasts in particular, once you start to experience 
you know, being judged and what scores happen um, when you fall, when you bend a leg, how you're, as you kind of touched upon, how your coaches react when you make mistakes or when your team doesn't win. Oh, we didn't win, extra conditioning, extra practice. As you go through these experiences, your mind shifts and starts creating these mindsets and, and belief systems that losing is bad, mistakes are bad, and if those are bad, I want to avoid them. And if I can't totally avoid them or if I'm not sure I can avoid them, I'm going to be freaked out before every game. Okay, so, so Amanda, let me ask you this question, these two questions. Give me your definition mm-hmm. of winning. Give, give me your definition of losing. Uh, in my opinion, winning as far as just what it really feels like to be a winning athlete is hard work, playing full out the entire time. When you make a mistake, you continue playing full out the entire time. Sportsmanship, communication with athletes and parents and coaches, um, and giving all you can to your sport, to your team, being a good teammate. Um, and the losing is really oh, I was benched to let me throw a hissy fit. Oh, I made a mistake. Now I'm really embarrassed, and I'm just going to stay on the sidelines and, and pout. Oh, we didn't win. Oh, I'm going to blame all these other things that happened. Um, and really, it's not, you know, if we're not teaching athletes how to handle those things, it, it's not their fault. You know, if we're not teaching coaches how to coach those things. Um, and so I really think our sports society has created fears, has created anxieties, has created the culture that really is not, you know, supportive in the way it should be and is really creating the fears and the anxieties that we see. What's the biggest problem you feel for young ladies who are in sports, young, young girls, teenagers, even younger? What do you feel one of the biggest problems they face is as a woman? Yeah, um, you know, it really depends on the sports, but the most Often I see, of course, our body image. You know, that's a big thing in gymnastics and dance where you perform in a leotard and you're being judged and looked at. And um, oftentimes, maybe not as much now, and depending on who your coaches are, coaches can feed into that. Um, With football, it's, you know, (laughs) a lot of women can't play football. You shouldn't play football. Don't you dare play football. There's no way you could play football. And you're Um, saying that from experience because you played. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest today is Amanda Clements, a certified professional coach. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. 
Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810. WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports. My guest today is Amanda Clements. She's a certified professional coach. And you are in the Baltimore area, Amanda? That's correct. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of right in between Baltimore and D.C. Okay, so women in sports. I've worked with female athletes since I started back in 1980. And I've worked with figure skaters, gymnasts, divers, track and field, cyclists, softball, I mean, pretty much everything. A women's body image is such a big issue. And, you know, and you, you referred to it earlier when you're out there in a leotard. Okay. And, and, you know, gymnastics, diving, and figure skating. 
are such subjective sports. And mm-hmm. you can go out, and so much of it's how you look, how you come across, and you can do what you think is a great vault and stick it and get an 875, and you think you should have gotten a 95. And mm-hmm. a lot of it's about how you look, right? And in figure skating, a lot of it's how you look. Diving, it's your perspective. So a woman's body image, let's talk about that and how that affects young ladies, women, females, as they compete and all that. How, because we, it's, it's well documented. There are many books. There's a great book called Little Girls in Pretty Boxes. Uh, Joan Ryan wrote that book several years ago. And there's references in there about a lot of the issues with figure skaters and gymnasts that they have. So as, as a former gymnast, how would you, you address that topic? Yeah. Um, you know, again, unfortunately, that's something that often, not exclusively, but often comes from the coaches, the parents, the gym, the culture. The things around the gymnasts are, are often what really starts to plant the seeds of body. How you look is important, what your body looks like, how much you weigh. These things are important. Um, and so at that level, for me personally, if someone came to me and was really dealing with, you know, something like an eating disorder or something, that would be, you know, I'd refer them to Dr. Andrew. I'd be like, go talk to Dr. Andrew, you know, to really address that. But from a mental performance coaching perspective, again, it goes back to, Let's find out why you have the belief that your body is important, how you look is important. Um, let's find out where those came from. Let's find out if, if that's really true. You know, if you were more muscular than you are now, if you were two pounds heavier than you are now, if you didn't care about how your body looked so much, you know, how would that change your performance? Um, and most times it's, well, I'd, I'd be a lot more relaxed. You know, and as you know in sports, any sort of tension in the body, which, you know, usually comes along with fears and anxieties, is going to hugely impact performance, you know. Anytime you're worried, you're up on the balance beam and you're scared about something and there's tension there, you become very shaky and very wobbly and it's very hard to stay on. Um, and the same thing with body image. If you're going out in a leotard and you're freaked out by how you look, how you feel, what people might be thinking about your body, there's going to be a lot of tension there. Um, and as you go to perform you know, that tension is going to come out in your performance. You're not going to do well. So it's really honing in on what's your belief system, why do you believe that, and let's start replacing it with things that, you know, positive self-talk or belief systems that are far more powerful to you and and things that make you feel confident and relaxed. So how do we stop that from becoming a problem? Because to me, that begins when you're a youngster. And what you're taught about success and failure, what you're taught about winning, what you're taught about how you look about yourself. And mm-hmm. so often I, I have these athletes that'll come in and see me who are high school or even collegiate level athletes. And they will bring up an issue about themselves that goes back to something a coach or a parent or a teacher said to them about their performance or about the way they looked when they were younger. And they get insulted or degraded, and that sticks with them, and then they have trouble handling that. Does that does that make mm-hmm. sense to you? Yeah, totally. And, you know, what has happened often for me is sometimes our mental performance sessions turn into, you know, almost counseling sessions between athletes and their parents and or coaches. And I think one of the most important things in handling this topic in particular, really any topic, is 
making sure the athlete, the parents, and the coaches are on the same page and clearly communicating. Right, but that's know, a excuse me, but that's a that's a big problem though a lot of the time because you know parents get their let, let's face it I have so many kids that come in my office mm-hmm. and the first session the way I do it I meet with the parents first. And then we bring the athlete in, then all of us sit down together. Usually the four of us will sit down together and talk about why they're there, what the game plan is, what I always say we design a mental game plan for what they're there to work on, whatever it might be. And I cannot tell you how many times I will hear from the athlete, well, I think I'm letting mom and dad down. Why? Well, they spend all this money. They're spending money on my lessons, they're spending money to come see you. We travel, we do this, they buy uniforms, they buy, buy equipment, they spend all this money and, I, and I'm not winning. And then the parents will often sit there. I mean, I've seen moms and dads cry. No, no, I love you. I just want you to have fun and enjoy it. I don't care what what place you come in. I just want you to enjoy what you're doing. You're not letting me down. Have you experienced that in in, in the work you do as well? Absolutely. I've experienced that. And I've also experienced the opposite where the athlete has said to the parent, do you remember when you said you will not let me continue with my sport if I do not win you know there's been instances on both yes majority of the time it's what you just described the parent says I just you know want you to have fun I want you to enjoy yourself um and the athlete has a different experience and the reason for that is because so many times the athlete or the coach or whoever it is is saying and doing these little things that are counterproductive to what they actually want or what they say they want you know like I said earlier if the team loses and you get extra conditioning because of that, that's a behavior that's teaching the athlete losing is bad and it's creating stress and anxiety for them. If you hear a parent say, maybe not even about their athlete or their kid's team, but they say, oh, I'm not going to watch that NFL game today. That one team sucks, so it's not even worth watching. You're teaching that athlete that outcomes are important winning is important and knowing that you're going that your team is going to win is important and if my team's not going to win i'm not even going to watch these things these subtle comments and behaviors that may or may not be related to their athlete at all um is really implanting and designing that belief system that allows athletes to start feeling that way so based on what you're saying of course you're you're right in tune with my beliefs i think Mm -hmm. coaches coaching education needs to develop more direction with psychology and communication and the effect it has on on an athlete's confidence. What do you feel about that? Oh my gosh, you're speaking right to my heart. This is all I've been talking about lately is, you know, for so long I've been working with these athletes and then I'm sure you experience it too. You send them back to their coaches and they're prepared and they're ready and they've done great things. They go back to their coach who doesn't know anything that you worked on and the coach dismantles it in one practice. Well, I've been I've, I've been working longer mm-hmm. than you've been alive, so I've, <laughs> yeah. I've been doing. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, it's interesting because there's a gymnastics coach in the Kansas City area who's had two girls who have died, uh, one mm-hmm. from anorexia and one from doing a vault she wasn't really prepared to do. Um, mm-hmm. He's still out there coaching, and I get girls who leave his gym uh, who end up in in my office because they get injured and they're no use to him anymore. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's amazing the stuff that you hear from people about the, the, how so some coaches are just so focused on the result. I mean, I always say you can have five thousand people go go run a ten k road race. Everyone does their best time. They're all winners. And mm-hmm. I have a lot of people tell me what I'm full of when I say that. Oh no, mm-hmm. you didn't come in first place. Well, you know what? You ran the best time you've ever run. You succeeded. That's winning. Mm-hmm. But we have such an emphasis on results. 
and such an emphasis on performance, I don't think that that the verbiage that a coach uses with an athlete, I don't think a lot of times they really understand or comprehend how that affects young athletes and and then takes them down the wrong path. Yeah, 100%. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, a team will bring me in to work with the athletes as a group or by their position, and I'll always say, you know, I can work with the coaches as well while I'm here. I can develop a plan for the coaches. And it's like, oh, no, 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 we, we don't need that. Oh, no, we've got other things to do. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I, I've been saying lately, like, I want to be a coach's coach. You know, maybe I don't work with the athletes anymore, but I work with the coaches, and then they know how to work with the athletes. Um, because some of the things I see, quite frankly, are scary, you know, at the, not just at club or high school, but also at the college level. When we come back from our break, Amanda, I want to talk about how you coach failure and how you could coach success for girls, all right, because it, okay. it can be a little bit different from, from, from boys and girls, I think, especially at a young age, and, and as a woman, as a former athlete yourself, how you handle that, how you learn from that, because I think that's a key part of the success and failure, winning and losing are such important components of what an athlete does, and if you don't learn, I think, at a young age how to deal with that, I mean, confidence to me is about the ability to believe in yourself and your skills and what you're about, and mm-hmm. learning, and the third chapter in our book is called Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun. That's because I think mm-hmm. athletes need to learn. That's We're all going to fail and screw up. It's how you handle it. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest today is Amanda Clements, a certified professional coach. Having a great conversation. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist... With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy. 
your football buddy. Or you, your best man. Your worst man. You, your dog walker. Your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 10 WHB. My guest today is Amanda Clements. She's a certified professional coach, former collegiate gymnast, and professional football player. And she's joining us from Baltimore this morning. Amanda, this has been so much fun talking to you. I, I want to get into this whole issue, okay, for, for, for young girls especially. How do we teach them how to have fun and not let the negativity of failure and condescending statements and things like that affect them in a derogatory way that can cause all kinds of problems as they get older? Yeah. Um, something big I focus on really is deciding what they want out of their sport and you know it's usually not the stress and anxiety that they're experiencing it's usually not the coach that's putting them down you know it's usually not those things and when we can start honing in on what they want the experience to look like what how they want to feel when they show up to practice how they want to feel when they talk to their coaches or when the coaches talk to them um we start to pinpoint the things that they could change if they wanted to. You know, I was just talking to an entire team and parents um, that all attended the same gym. They were all gymnasts. They all attended the same gym. And the coaches weren't there, but these common themes were coming up about the coaches do this and the coaches did this one time and this. And so at the end of the presentation, it really came down to if this is not the experience you want, you have the ability to change gyms if you want to. Let me let me you let me have, let me stop you. Let me mm-hmm. stop you right there. You are a hundred percent correct, hundred and ten percent correct mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, but see, people don't see that, and right. and oftentimes they there are see this is where fear comes in, fear mm-hmm. of what people are going to say about me if I leave. You know how I'm going to be talked about if you're not because really isn't 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 the purpose of youth sports to have fun. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't that be what it should be about? Yes, absolutely. Um, and, yeah, it goes back to those coaches or those parents. And don't get me wrong. There's some amazing coaches out there, amazing parents out there. I'm not saying there aren't. Um, but if you do get into a system or a specific sports culture like gymnastics sometimes, you know, again, not all gyms. I came from a very supportive gym that really was focused more on fun and things like that. Um but if the coaches don't know these things, if the parents don't know these things, and you develop this culture of fear and anxiety and it's not fun and that's not what this is about, then no, they're not just going to magically one day be like, you know what, I, I can change gyms if I want to. They let, will not have that mindset. Let me interrupt you here. So let's say, mm-hmm. let's say a scenario comes up 
where you've got a young lady who is not happy, not doing well, doesn't like the way her coach talks to her, say she's 10, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, What is your suggestion that should be done? One is definitely, so a big thing that I do from the get-go with every athlete is teaching mindset and how those triggers emotions and how those emotions trigger how we behave. And it's really first and foremost, about teaching that, about teaching where fear comes from, how to address fear, how to work with fear. And once those skills are starting to be understood and that they can be more controlled and they can be chosen versus this is just how I feel all the time and I can't do anything about it, once those skills are established, then we start addressing those things of, okay, we've talked about fear. You know that when you're afraid, this is how you feel, this is what you're thinking, and therefore this is how you behave. And so once they get that, it's okay, here's the situation. You don't like your experience with your coach or your gym, and addressing it brings up fear for you. Let's go back to those skills that we have learned. Let's realize that you're experiencing fear because of this. It's making you not go to your coaches or your parents, or it's making you not make any changes because of this. Now let's replace it with this is what I want, and in order to get what I want, even though I might feel afraid i might feel fear what i want is more important and i'm going to start doing things to get me what i want okay it's not something from my perspective that just gets addressed right from the beginning okay so let's say you have a young athlete doesn't matter if a boy or girl they are having problems with the way the coach is talking to them the way the coach is uh saying things negatively getting angry at them the parents are starting to get upset about this so when do you when, from your perspective amanda when should parents get involved with the athlete and the coach and have a conversation or should they? Um, yeah, I think a lot of times, you know, of course, depending on age, certainly I've, I have college athletes that are 20 years old and parents want to get involved and that's a different thing. No, Um, I'm talking, I'm talking about, let's say middle school or younger, let's say 12, mm -hmm. 13, 14 or younger. Okay. From that perspective, you know, let's say we've got parents that really, you know, understand these things and how important it is to address fears and and how important it is to have a fun sports experience. I do think it's important to try to give your child the opportunity to learn these skills through experience. So encouraging the athlete to go and talk to the coach, encouraging the athlete to share their worries and concerns with the coach. Um, And if it turns into a situation where the coach doesn't want to hear it, they just get in trouble for bringing these things up. Um, the coach forces extra conditioning because the, the athlete is talking back or whatever it is. If the coach doesn't know how to respond to an athlete trying to do these things, um, then I think parents absolutely can and should get involved. Okay. I know there are a lot of coaches who will say, you know, once you come into the gym or come to practice, you know, parents, you can stand off to the side. I don't want to hear you. I don't want to talk to you. If you have anything to say to me, I don't want to hear it until maybe the, the next day or later. How do you feel about that? Um, if the coach is at least open to talking the next day or a little later, I guess that's better than nothing. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, a coach might not be in the mindset to, to have a conversation. If they know I'll be in a better mindset later, that's great. If it's I'm not open to any feedback whatsoever, I don't want to hear parents' comments, I don't want to hear players' comments, what I say is, is what goes. Um, you know, I think that's a major red flag. Well, I that, Yeah, I, I wanted to hit, hit mm-hmm. you up on that right there. When you have mm-hmm. a coach that says that, and you're a parent, and you've got an 11-year-old on that team, mm-hmm. should that be the time you need to consider maybe I shouldn't be on this team? 
A hundred percent. Yeah. Your child, if, if you're looking for a, you know, a more fun experience for your child, if you're looking for your child to develop emotional intelligence and communication and learn all those things in addition to the sport, that's not going to be the team for you. From your perspective as an ex-collegiate athlete and a, and a professional athlete, what do we need to change in society with youth sports today? Or, or, is it, or do you think it's fine? No. I, if I could change anything, you know, and, yeah, we're talking about sports, but it's not specific to sports, I would change the education system. I would include classes about mindset and mindfulness and emotional intelligence and what happens when you feel afraid about something, what happens when you're upset, how do you express emotions safely and move on from them, and how do you communicate what you're feeling and thinking to yourself and someone else. Um, I think it's, it's, my gosh, if we could teach that in school every year as kids are growing and you add on to it, um, you know, I think all these issues while we're talking about sports-specific ones, the same issues show up in any facet of life. So why don't we do that? Because uh, we, we have, we've created this system of these are the rules you follow. This is how life works. You go to school. You decide what you do after college. You get a job. You have a family. These are the rules you follow. More money equals success. Winning equals success. And if people are just buying into it and not, if we're not teaching people how to think, you know, not what to think, but how to think, then we're not teaching people to question the quote-unquote established rules and, and how, how to live, what's the right way to live. We're not teaching people to question things. Um, and if we did that in school, if we taught people how thinking works, how to question and analyze and, and be critical, um, then I don't think we would be in this situation. Amanda, this has been a, a, a fabulous interview. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us this morning. I, your perspective, you know, obviously fits with mine, and, and I love what mm-hmm. you're saying because I agree with you 100%. My 40 years of work, I've just worked with so many people who, if they'd had the right counseling at the beginning, like you're saying, it had changed them. So if people want to get a hold of you, Amanda, how can they, how can they find you? Yes. So, um, you know, I think most people are shocked to find out I do not do social media. It's a choice that I have made. Um, but my website is BTG Coach, and that's BTG as in Beyond the Game. Um, and that gives you everything you need to know, cell phone, uh, messaging system to get a hold of me. I really appreciate you joining us this morning. I am going to ask you to come back on again. This has been a fabulous Absolutely. interview. Amanda Clements, thank you so much for joining us this morning, and, and take care of yourself. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. You have a wonderful week. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Take care. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist... With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio.
Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 